Welcome everybody. Uh, I'm Nate, co-founder of Before You Apply, as most of you know. I'm here with uh, Ashley Ritteri, uh, interim C CTO at Instrumental. Um, I'm going to let you give a little background, but um, I think like it's important to set a little context of like how we even met. I think uh, we met on LinkedIn. Uh, we had a virtual coffee and like 20 minutes in, I think I stopped the conversation and just asked you to come <laughs> and talk to everybody because I think some of the things you've done as a CTO and as an engineer, engineering leader to like to build inbound recruiting engines for some of the hardest to hire candidates was just, uh, it blew my mind. It was like, I, I haven't talked to an engineering leader who thinks about hiring an employer brand this way. So, um, well, I mean, if I remember, I'm the one who actually started following you on LinkedIn first. So, yeah. you know, the, the thing is, is I have to be open to that content because, you know, it's a priority for me, employer branding. Yeah, I want to I, I want to unpack more why it needs to be valued by CTOs. But I mean, first, why don't you just like just give your background? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Before I before I give any background, I want to do a plug uh, for yeah, Instrumental. Sure. Uh, it's I-N-S-T-R-U-M-E-N-T-L with no A. They're hiring a CTO, the job I currently have. I'm hiring uh, to replace myself, five to 10 person engineering team, nonprofit, CRM, uh, project management, grant research tools. So if you're interested, uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, okay, so my background, serial CTO, I've done eight startups. I've worked at Nordstrom, I've worked at Hewlett Packard. So both size orgs. Um, and uh, 10 years ago, I met Paul English, who is the co-founder of Kayak and honestly my favorite uh, CTO ever. Um, and he gave me a small piece of advice which is something that was completely counterintuitive to me at the time. I was at that time, uh, I had started my own consulting agency a decade earlier. So I'd been a CEO and I had just come off my first, my second startup where I was CTO um, and we had partnered with Kayak. So that's how I got to meet him. Uh, and he said, the job of a CTO, the most important responsibility of a CTO is hiring. And you know, I'm thinking it's architecture design or leadership or all kinds of other not related to recruiting. And he said, no, the most important thing a CTO can do is hiring because the people that you bring in basically determine the outcome. Um, and so the second piece of advice he gave me was, and you have to always be hiring, right? Like there's never, you, you're not hiring just when you have a job you have to place. You are hiring at all times. You are constantly trying to recruit people either for the next company you're going to work at or for the current company you're going to work at or for the job you're going to open in six months. Um, and so the final piece of advice he gave me was, if you meet someone who's a good fit for your company, do whatever it takes to hire them on the spot. Don't hesitate. Just create a role right for them. Even if you don't have a role for them, if you meet someone you know is a solid fit for your team, hire them right away. So that changed everything, that advice. And from that point forward, um, I followed that advice, right? Like I'm always recruiting. Um, and the thing I figured out is that the more successful startups have you know, they've got more funding, they can pay, they, they have money, opportunity, or validation that they can offer you, right? Like if you go work at AWS, even if you don't stick around long enough to get a lot of options, after that, you can work anywhere because yeah. you've been validated. Um, if you go work at Airbnb or Netflix, maybe you've got opportunity to grow, right? Like you become that much more minted of an engineer um, or you're making tons of money working at Google or Facebook. 
But if you're a small startup, you don't have any of those things. And the main thing you're usually offering is the opportunity to grow. Um, but you have to make people want to come to work there. And if you have no brand, if no one's ever heard of you, that's really difficult. So if you don't have a system, if you don't have a plan or an engine, um, then you're, you're going to end up paying $5,000 per hire because you're going to have to hire a sourcing agency. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to rely on something other than employer branding. Mm. Okay. Um, so that was instilled, that, that mindset was instilled early. Um, why, how, okay. I got to just I think it actually makes a difference yeah. for me about the, whether I've been successful or not. The first thing I'm doing in every new role is figuring out the brand of the engineering team. You know, it, it's different. Every company's different. Um, every company's got a different mission going on. Um, if like where we did it the best was at AirHelp. Okay. And that was mostly because my CEO had, uh, we want to be a top 10 company employer as an OKR. First time we started setting OKRs, that was his priority as well. Mm. Um, and so knowing that I had that kind of support, I then took the extra step of figuring out some way to differentiate us from all the other companies in the tech um, community in Gdansk in, in, in Poland. And um, one of those was that we would be the kind of place where you could grow your skills. And there were two components to that. One was you'd have the opportunity to be frontline, to make decisions about architecture, except which you might not get if you're working at Sabre mm -hmm. or you know Lufthansa Tech. Um, but the other one was we would invest in a culture that was learning focused and learning oriented. So that meant we committed 10% of our engineering budget to training, which you know at the time seemed very reasonable to me. Um, now, I think in retrospect, it's probably a little extravagant, but I'm glad we did it because it makes that much like the signal internal and external is that we are investing in making this a place where you can grow. Yep. And that was the basis of our brand at Arrow. Um, you know, it, it started with a product manager who went to one of the code schools and then came back and we didn't have the uh, role that she had left. And okay. so we needed to open up a role um, in the company, but we didn't have any junior engineers that we'd hired. So we created an apprenticeship program. Uh, rather, she, you know, she out of whole cloth created the need for an apprenticeship program. I had senior engineers that began like really thriving. So that like tripled um, the focus of our brand being about learning because now my senior engineers got better at being senior engineers because they were teaching yeah. uh, apprentices. Okay. So we expanded that further. We, we got to universities and started working with code schools and we actually like sponsored a 10 week session centered around uh, data science and machine learning because we needed those skills. Okay. So, so you know, that, that basis and that emphasis, I think it took on a life of its own. At some point I was no longer CTO but those folks um, were still so committed to the culture of, you know, outbound employer branding to try to improve our inbound um, 
quality of our inbound candidates as well as you know the the ease of inbound. Um, and so one of the things that we did very early was we made um, that first apprentice developer to become uh, evangelist, a tech okay. evangelist. And she and the CTO, um, they partnered together with Sabre and made this hackathon focused on people traveling with disabilities. And that was a big moment for us because yeah. here we are, we're a tiny, not even series A startup yet. And we're the co-sponsor of this really cool, innovative travel hackathon with a giant company like Sabre Technologies. Um, and then just in general, our fantastic tech recruitment team worked with the engineering team to really get out there and you know sponsor conferences, meetups, user groups, making sure, you know, and sponsoring has varying degrees of cost, but it almost always pays when you compare it to the cost of inbound recruitment. Okay. Right? Like yeah. especially meetups. I mean, the, the cost of a meetup is almost nothing. Just providing a, a space often is all you need to do. Um, and then the final thing I'll say is that eventually we had a full-time engineering brand evangelist. Like that's the degree over a three year period, we went from, it was an OKR, Okay. So we had a full-time, not a company brand evangelist, no, engineering team brand evangelist. So that's the level of commitment. We could have used that salary to pay a developer, but we chose to support a brand evangelist to make the engineering recruitment and inbound um, candidates be the kind of people who wanted to be there. You know? So, okay, can you can you describe? just like even in more detail, what that engineering brand evangelist's role was? Like, on a, like yeah, a um, so I think, I think what happened then was we really started focusing on uh, content as well. And something we had created during the apprenticeship program was this today I learned internal microblogging yeah. format. So we had all of our junior devs um, try really hard once a week to create at least, you know, today I learned something and it might be something about the way assets compile or something about the way a particular JavaScript library works. Um, and sometimes it would be obvious and sometimes it would be really like, oh wait, all the senior engineers are like, I didn't know that because the junior engineer had actually read the documentation and learned something. So that's, that's really just about getting everybody comfortable sharing technical content and sharing their take on technical content. What we then discovered is that it was really easy to convert that energy into outbound content, right? So okay. if, we, if we got everybody internally comfortable writing and sharing their feelings and being a little bit vulnerable about being in a learning mode, Mm -hmm. Then they could turn around and take that outbound. And now to this day, you know, it's five years later, I'm still looking forward to my senior engineer, uh, Sebastian Novak. He's got a Friday, uh, you know, links thing he does on LinkedIn. And I'm always like, it's Friday. Let me go check what he's posting. Really? So there's tons okay. of folks from the company that ended up producing more content. Um, and that content, you know, all of it got shared as part of our tech company employer brand. So I want to go back to the OKR thing, though, because something I forgot to mention was at the time, I tried to figure out how would I measure if we had succeeded. And the first 
limited measure I had was that people would leave our company and go to work at the desirable companies in the area. Yeah, for sure. So like Atlassian was a company, they were our neighbor in the complex we worked at. Um, there was another company called NetGuru and all of the web developers really wanted to go work there. And I thought if we can show that people come work at our company and then they get roles in those other companies, we will have succeeded in producing that brand. The next step was actually the reverse. By the time we had offices in Berlin and we had a really solid product management org and um, fantastic like award-winning product designers, companies like Zolando and Rocket Internet startups, their people were graduating to come and work for us. And so like we became not the launch pad, but the destination. And that was when it was like, oh, we've arrived. We have achieved, you know, necessary maximum brand potential. At this point, most of the people that are working here had somehow heard of us before they started, and that, you know, that was success. Yeah. That's what that's what you hope for. That's that the is the best yeah, outcome that's, you can get. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I, I wrote down a bunch of stuff here. <laughs> Let me. Uh, I I want to go back to the content piece. Uh, I have a couple other follow-up questions. I, I just like want to do a quick recap. And by the way, if anybody wants to jump in with questions, uh, drop them in the chat for sure. We'll, we'll either take them now or we'll save time, gosh, in like five minutes. Um, okay, you started off with an apprenticeship program. Yeah. Which was successful on its own. That rolled into sponsorship at the university level, which then graduated into... Uh, a tech so it's more like events, right? So that graduated. One of the things that that also did was it created this brand awareness in junior devs in the junior dev community. Right. Of, oh, hey, here's this company that will give devs their break. That will give you a shot. Um, you know, and and that it actually even evolved. It had a side effect of we had a claims department with you know, 100, 200 folks that were in operations. And these were not technical folks necessarily, um, certainly not CS degrees, but we had a pathway for folks that had certain technical aptitude to come and join the apprenticeship program. So at that point, we effectively had our own internal code school. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, you know, like, so, the sponsoring of events and that, and often for me, you know, I'm English speaking and in this particular location, there wasn't a lot of events in English. So that meant I was going to um, Polish speaking events and having to bring my team with me to translate for me. And, um, and I think seeing the CTO invest in going to meetups and stuff and not just sending a dev and invest in supporting devs speaking at conferences or um, attending conferences. You know, we sent our development team to conferences all over Europe, conferences local. Um, and it's not just a benefit or a perk for the developers, something that a lot of folks that, that balk at paying for devs to go to conferences is they forget that you're out there brand am ambassadors for the brand, right? Yeah. So, okay. So the, yeah, this went from an apprenticeship program, sponsorships, then co-sponsoring, which started the tech, really the, the oh, idea yeah. of tech evangelism, which then rolled into 
an entire role dedicated to yeah to the engineering yeah. brand yeah um, and, and so the culmination of that actually they this is after i left but they they got so good at employer branding that they had a conference in the local stadium where a lot of the tech conferences were but they had a, a tech conference just for the company Mm -hmm. with something like 20 something speakers on things from culture to different tech things like how how we did ruby or a particular way of uh you know using ember js or the way we did machine learning or how to do product management um with open attendance from other folks in the tech community and you you might think you know who's going to want to come to our company conference right. but that's how successful our brand had gotten at content creation and being this place where you can be part of a learning experience in the tech community. So I think what we did was focus in on that core aspect of our brand, which was to you know, put that learning, the vulnerability of being in a learning posture out everywhere in all of the content, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's videos we create. Yeah, okay. That's the part, all right, <laughs> that's good. I could, I could take this all over the place and I, I'll, I'll try not to. Um, this started with the mindset that you mentioned at the beginning, that the number one job of a CTO is to always be hiring. So the, mind, the mindset was there. And then I, I think like when it comes to employer branding in general, whether we're talking about like specifically at a function level like this, or we're talking like company wide, it can seem like overwhelming, like where the hell do I start? There's so many things I can do, but what led ultimately to success was it started with this, this mindset that like, yes, it's important. And then it was like little by little by little one thing started proving out another thing that proved out another. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I can't look, I can't take credit for the success. I, I mean, I, sh I should name the folks here, like Anya Mikulinska, she was the junior dev who have, was a product manager. And it's not like I sat down one day and said, hey, we should have one of the junior devs be 50% brand ambassador. It's just that Anya wouldn't stop being a brand ambassador. And so yeah. we had to decide, oh, do we wanna you know, get upset with her for not being a full-time dev? Or do we wanna be like, oh, this is brilliant go out there and be a brand ambassador for us. And Sebastian writing blogging content, you know, like we pay you to do that on the job. You know, you're getting your other work done, but sure you can take your time to, um, to, to make our brand look better. And then Jacob, uh, when he took over as CTO, like he valued that. And he's the one that made the decision to hire Anetta, Anita, um, uh, I'm gonna get her last name wrong, Voinar. Um, and then that was a full-time role. He recruited and hired an engineering brand ambassador for the engineering team. Yeah, that's... So they all adapted to that culture, that this is important this to is important. us. Yeah. Um, so I want to I, I I focus on the content piece for a second. Um, the microblog approach, it's so smart. Um, can you... You, you talked about it, uh, like the theme was today I learn. Can you talk um, about like, what, what did you guys use to write? What did you use to distribute? And like, and also too, like, I know it started off as like an internal thing. And then what did the external piece look like? Like, where was that? Where was it being distributed? How was it being used? That kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we didn't have a super structured 
approach to the public content. Um, in retrospect, I would make that more methodical, like, you know, it would be part of people's um, performance reviews in some ways that they do something in this area, either they're contributing to internal documentation or they're contributing to external content creation. Um, we didn't request anybody to explicitly do it so much as encouraging everyone to be doing it. And so then what would happen is some folks already had their personal blogs, but they now had a lot more concrete content. They okay. could take, you know, they had permission to take what was happening in the company and put it in their own personal blogs. Um, we did encourage everybody to be posting on LinkedIn. And that meant we encouraged people to take time during work to write articles and posts on LinkedIn. Okay. I think LinkedIn was probably our biggest channel for that yeah. content, but we did also have a WordPress blog. I'm not sure if they still do. We tried Twitter, but um, it just wasn't the channel where our um, engineering recruitment was going to be most effective because okay. we were in this, you know, Eastern Central European geography where Twitter just wasn't, you know, the same medium as it is here. Um, okay. For tech talent, at least. And yeah. this not in 2015. Uh, what were you using to do the YouTube? We actually used YouTube too. We used a lot. We did a lot of employer videos. Oh, you did? Um, and at one point, we even had full-time um, camera team production doing some stuff for marketing. And then they would do stuff for recruitment for the company as a whole. Mm -hmm. And we would you know, get a section of that. So there would be like, a 20 minute recruitment video that would include what it's like to work in product, what it's like to work in ops, what it's like to work in uh, our FinTech team and our legal tech team or our engineering teams. Wow. Okay, cool. All those different channels. What were you using to write internally? I think it was just a Rails CRM tool just called Today I Learn. It's open source. Oh, oh it is. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. I mean, but I guess you could basically use anything. Um, it's just a tiny microblogging platform called Today I Learned. Yeah. All right. That's that's I think awesome. It's from Hash Rocket. Yeah. I let mean, me find it. Getting engineers to yeah. create content is like <laughs> that's like if you can hack that, I mean, a lot opens up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like curious about the distribution. I mean, probably like Twitter and LinkedIn would be the two places, and then I think it's really cool too that. Um, that some of your engineers just like already had their own blogs. I think that's really, um, that speaks a lot to culture. Uh, so, okay, the, the other, I have a couple other questions and then I think we should probably answer the ones that are in the chat. But uh, let's see, um, when this started, was the- Actually, you know what, Ed, I have to correct something. I just remembered that today I learned microblog, it wasn't something we came up with. It was something one of the apprentices was doing um, Kasha, the second apprentice we brought into the apprenticeship program. And I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Everybody has to do this. And so then we made it like a mandatory part of the apprenticeship program. Yeah. And then we extended it beyond that. So it was another one of those, like somebody was doing something cool that was content related. And we converted that into an energy around, uh, you know, brand ambassadorship. Yeah. Okay. So three core things, sponsorship, apprenticeship program, talking about stuff inside and sharing it outside. That's like kind of yeah. what it comes yeah, down that's, to. Yeah, that's basically the essence of the formula. 
that's the formula. Okay. And you'd be amazed at how cheap it is to do that. I mean, yeah. everything apart from like major conference travel or conference sponsorship barely registered on the budget. Mm. Most of it was about time and energy and commitment and getting, you know, getting folks fired up to do. Yeah. And also just like, just making it known. I mean, like you said, like you, you encouraged employees to post on LinkedIn as part of like, like you're getting paid to do this. This is part of, this is part of your job, um, which I think is really important. I think like, yeah, it's, I mean, they, they have to know that from the very top that there is, that this is a value. We talked about brand ambassadorship all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, listen, we got one question in here that I want to uh, actually get to before I forget about it. And this sure. is something that, um, and my uh, CEO, Henrik, is probably going to give me crap about giving him criticism here. But so when we started the apprenticeship program, his first response was, come on, we can't have our senior devs get dragged down with interns and apprenticeships. You know, that's going to be a drag on total productivity. And I had an instinct and it turned out to be accurate, which was that the senior devs would become more productive as a result of being mentors in the apprenticeship program. And it's absolutely true because once you create that culture of learning, the biggest benefit of having the apprenticeship program was not about hiring in and getting you know, well-trained, cheaper junior devs. The biggest benefit was the kind of senior devs we could then attract, right? We now had this ability to attract um, senior talent that was compassionate and interested in sharing their skills and interested in teaching and that kind of communication, the kind that's needed to teach people is exactly the kind of open communication you need in an agile org. Otherwise, everything's in a silo. So okay. if you're bringing in those kind of folks, then whatever investment you made in the apprenticeship, it's already paid off, much less the fact that you're getting all of these fantastic junior devs. I would I would put almost any of the junior devs from AirHelp up against a mid-level or senior dev at any other company, and they would be able to keep up with them. Wow. Unquestionably. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I want to. I want you to to touch on before before we jump. Um, I know, like this was a. I mean, the the way that we talked about this, it seems like it was like an overnight thing, and it absolutely wasn't. Uh, and I would imagine. When this, but before this all started, recruiting was being done, probably outbound, probably outbound to passive candidates, that kind of a thing. And that there was a transition from one way of recruiting to inbound. 5,000 euros a pop for senior devs in okay. recruitment fees. So that was the basis against which I could invest on employer branding. That number gave me so much freedom to try to invest on building an inbound engine because if I'm not building an inbound engine, I have to pay these specialists 5,000 euros for every engineer they're bringing and I'm hiring hundreds of engineers. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Um, how long did that transition take? Just to give everybody like some perspective and also like, I want to say like take the pressure off a little bit that like- Yeah, for sure. You're not going to crack this- I think this we didn't even realize what we were doing until nine months after we were doing it. So the most important thing is to treat everything like an experiment. Maybe none of these things will work for you, 
right? You might be in a very narrow field, like a hardware specific field where people don't really do meetups, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they only do formal conferences if you do CCDs. Maybe uh, my friend Gloria is out there. She does advanced space optics and they don't really have like beer related meetups where you bring out your million dollar chips. Um, so these, these techniques may not work in every environment. Uh, and in fact, at Avo and Nordstrom, what I discovered was that there's whole different levels of this. You know, I, we were at just a tiny little startup. So it was all, you know, bootstrapped, you know, mm -hmm. I would, I would, I would pay out of my own pocket, 50 bucks or hundred bucks to sp sponsor an open bar, yeah. you know, and it was worth it. But I mean, Nordstrom and Avo, they, they would spend $10,000 like that on an event, but that's chump change compared to what they were spending on recruitment. So, yeah. you know, like the different scale changes what you're able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, like how long of a process you said like nine months before you realized what you guys were nine doing? Months before it was intentional. And I, I, to me, the, the moment it was intentional was when we officially made Anya 50% brand ambassador. Yeah. That was the point where the investment was explicitly brand ambassador. Yeah. Um, so then I would say it was another nine months after that, that, that Anya and Jacob did the big uh, like hackathon with Sabre. And then it was a year after that. So that's now going on three years total that um, Evelina and Anita built out the AirHelp conference or mm -hmm. unconference. Okay. You know, one day conference with 20 something speakers and hundred and yeah. something attendees that were not employees, you know? Um, do you have a couple of minutes so I can ask you a few yeah, more questions? All right. uh, if anything, we'll get it for the recording. Um, so I'm thinking now about like, okay, the, the, the biggest thing too is like, this was pre COVID. Sure. We all get that. Take the spirit of this and like, and apply it to like the world we live in now. Uh, if anything, there's probably more opportunities than we're then uh, just because like we've opened up in a digital way that like we had it before. So um, the, the thing that I'm thinking about now is like, you were, you were a, a CTO who had this mindset, who was like already bought in. Let's face the reality. It's not like that at every startup. Um, if you're, if you're a talent leader, who's also championing employer brand, employer brand, you're the one in charge of this. You don't have like a built out employer branding team. Like most startups don't. Um, and you're like, Hey, this sounds great. Like we need to build our engineering brand because that's who we're recruiting most heavily. Um, where do you start? Like you, you gotta, you gotta position this internally to start getting people excited the way that you were able to to do this? I mean, I, I think the first thing you do is you encourage everything that can be outbound. So uh, if you have a team that's working on something that can be open source, open source it, right? Like that's fantastic outbound uh, branding right there. You've got whole companies like ThoughtBot where they've put out, you know, 10 different open source libraries. And the only reason I even know about that company is their open source libraries. But if they, if they headhunted me, 
I would join them tomorrow, you know? Okay. So like, that's how, how much esteem I have for that brand. And I actually don't even know what it's like to work there. It could be toxic workplace for all I know, but their libraries are super cool. Um, so I think every opportunity you have to have the team do anything outbound. So I would start with LinkedIn. Honestly, it's the easiest place. Encourage your team to, your, especially your senior devs, give them an assignment. Have them write something internal first. Make sure they can write some internal documentation. Everybody could take a benefit of. And the today I learned thing: you don't even need a microblogging platform or anything. Just do it in right. Slack. Yeah, Create sure. A today I learned Slack channel, and then there you're done. It takes five seconds. And then encourage your senior devs to write longer pieces. In like, start with one thing and a link, and then a paragraph explaining why the link is relevant and then turn that into two paragraphs. And now you've got a blog post that you can put on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and, you know, make sure people know that you consider outbound branding part of everyone's responsibility. And if some people aren't comfortable having a public face, I get it. I have social anxiety. It's thank God I can't see any of the attendees. Otherwise, <laughs> um, yeah. Then, you know, then they can do it in other ways. They can do it by reaching out to their friends. They can do it by creating content, even if they don't want to be the ones associated with the content. They can write a blog post and you can have, you can publish it under engineering team. Yep. It doesn't have to be their name. So, yeah. you know, cool. I think the, the key is doing something. Don't, yeah. Like, don't let that it's difficult or that it's big or that we don't have a full-time team get in your way start with a today I learned Slack channel that will create content and give you all kinds of ideas. Perfect. And that's something that even if you didn't do branding, you should be doing the today I learned thing is about orienting your team towards a learning culture. Yeah. All right. Perfect place to end right there, man. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I was, I've been excited for two weeks for this call and uh, you, you just, you brought a ton of value. So I, I really appreciate it. I, I love what you guys are doing. Um, I love the attention and the focus on it. Um, to me, it's not an optional. It's not an extra step. When you compare it to recruitment fees and you compare it, the, the single best benefit of employer branding is the impact it has on the internal folks. Mm. People like to work somewhere that other people like. Yeah. So you know, people don't even consider how much employer, external employer branding helps internal retention. Yeah, totally. Um, well, man, uh, yeah. Hey, I hope stay. you don't get by a tornado. You have a <laughs> We made this one. So uh, right. I appreciate you so much. Uh, thank, you. thank you. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.